this is um, Nope, I'm Scared, which is a scary, spooky podcast. Um, a lot of fun. Yeah, and it it looks a little different this week and probably will for the next two weeks. Be- yeah. Um, because L.A. County is under a new um, stay-at-home order. Yep. Yeah, sorry, I'm yawning. We're good. So, I am here, me, Alexa, is here in my kitchen with all of my equipment, and Ella will be brought to us through FaceTime for me. Love it. It's so much fun. So, if our audio sounds weird, it's because only one of us is here. Yep, because you know why. Yeah, because America can't get it together and do the things so that we don't have to do this again. I mean, or we could have stopped in the first place. Yeah. So, bear with us. It's going to sound a little weird, probably. I don't know. I'll figure it out when I'm editing this. Yeah. But um, we're bringing you the final piece of Ted Bundy. And, right on. And we're just going to move what we had slated for this week to next week. Just just hang in with us, guys, okay? Yeah, yeah. Well, I will admit that I did a bunch of copying and pasting for this, for this thing, but it was mostly because I just wanted to make sure I had this series of events in the proper order. Right on. I mean, you were busy, too, so I'm sure that's part of it. Yeah, it was Thanksgiving. I did the thing that probably all students did this weekend, where I completely forgot that I was a student and had responsibilities and assignments due. And so I uh, had a blissful weekend where I pretended I was a normal person who didn't deal with this amount of stress on the daily. And uh, then I woke up on, had full intentions to do things on Saturday, but instead cleaned the house and did crafts, and then woke up on Sunday and was like, oh no. Because <laughs> for me, Such is our life. all of my stuff, well, at least, because I have two online classes that everything is due on Sunday. So I had two things to do on Sunday and pretend that I had been working on them all week. Well then, let's get into it. All right, let's do it. Okay, so into I... this gruesome, gruesome tale. It's going to be better than the last episode, okay? Because this one's going to... I mean, I do have some stuff that, like, at the end, like, he started to confess to and give details on. Because what I did was I went back and I looked for anything that had anything to do with police or law enforcement. And that's what this episode is going to be. Like any interaction he has had with law and what happens through his convictions, escapes, whatever, jail, crap. (laughs) All of it. Right on. Oh, yeah, because we get the... um... His first trial where he escaped. Yeah. Oops, yeah. He actually is a little hairy Houdini, and he escaped twice. So it's going to start pretty much right after the whole Lake Sammamish 
incident where the two girls go missing. Yeah, yeah. So, because Bundy fucked up and talked to so many people that day, police had enough witnesses to make a sketch of him. Yeah, probably wasn't the smartest move on his part, though I can't say I'm upset about it because we don't support murder. No, we do not. But, so they were able to get that that sketch and they put it out to the public on, I think, the news. Okay. And, and so... Yeah, that makes sense. So when that came out, Liz, Ted Bundy's girlfriend, and Rule, which was... Um, the person who wrote the book, The Stranger Beside Me, and a mm-hmm. department of, where did I write it? Emergency, a department of emergency service employee and a University of Washington psychology professor all recognized the profile in the picture and the sketch and the car, and they all turned Bundy in as a suspect to the police. So when she thought it was her fault, it wasn't just her fault. No, because when Liz did. four other people also gave his name to police during that time frame. Because he fucked up. Because it looked like him and because they all, like, it was like, oh, it looks like him. Oh, it was a bug. Ted has a bug. So it was yeah, just like, like there was too all much. together there. Yeah, so they all turned his name over to the police, but detectives at the time were getting 200 tips a day. And they just really didn't think that some oh, clean damn. they really didn't think that a clean-cut lawyer, a law, a law student with no record would be doing this. And so they disregarded his name. Okay. Right, then. Okay. I mean, he, did, he didn't do that in the smart way where he, like, had his reputation going for him. Yeah. So that nobody would have thought it would have been him. Yeah, so like, I mentioned a Department of Emergency Services employee, and what's interesting about that is that Ted had worked for the department for a time while he was living in Washington. Oh, and this was a okay. department that was a gov- so this was a government agency that was involved in searching for the missing Washington women. Okay. So, so he worked for a place that was trying to find him. Yes, he decided to help out an investigation that was trying to find the women that he had murdered. Oh my god, that's so I bet bad. that's why they never found anything. Yeah, because he knew where they were looking and all that shit. He had all the inside information. Yeah. This is also where he meets Carol Boone, which is the woman that he marries while on trial. That's the lady who had his kid, right? Yeah, and they were dating while he was working there. So, like... He was dating Carol while with Liz, doing the shit with Stephanie, and I heard rumors of another girl at the same time. Jesus Christ. And murdering women, you know, the side gig. Yeah. 
Um, so okay, then... well, this totally brings back my thing about how the fuck did he manage his time? Because now we've added Carol into the mix and this whole working for the defense place and whatever. You know, I think I found stuff. I just need to get to it in the sequence of what I read. Okay. Okay, so on September 6, 1974, is when hunters found the remains of the Sammamish girls two miles away from the lake. Um, but they also found extra bones with the girls and were like... Hmm. Extra bones? Yeah, but they were like, what the fuck's this? And then, so this is what Bundy would later admit were George Ann Hawkins's bones. Oh my god. Yeah. They were like literally on top of each other. That's awful. Okay. No thank you. Yeah, I it's like there's so much that like he confesses to eventually that are just like what the fuck? You monster. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so then now we're in November of 1974, and Liz calls King County Police again um, after hearing about women going missing around Salt Lake City because she knows that that's where Ted is now. Okay, so she, like, put the pieces together and was like, Watch out for this guy. I just think that she noticed that stuff was weird and only getting weirder. And then she'd been, you know, convinced enough about Ted to call the police about him. And then he moved and women started disappearing in the same area he'd moved to. And she was just like, yeah, this seems really sus. It hit the point where it couldn't really be a coincidence anymore. Yeah, I don't I don't know exact. I need to read her book because I have some, like, quotes from her. But, like, there's so much in her book that got changed for the movie, which always happens. But mm-hmm. I just need to read it. I think it would be really good. Probably. Yeah. Um, I know, too. Okay, so she was able to get in contact with Detective Randy Hergersheimer. Please don't get mad at me if that's wrong. (laughs) Hergersheimer. I think it's Hergersheimer, who was in the Major Crimes Division, and he interviewed her completely. Um, So by this point, Bundy had gone up in um, the names for the King County suspicion list um but in lake sammamish witnesses considered the most reliable did not identify him in a photo lineup so there was conflicting information okay so like his name Uh his name was in both cities but the lake sammamish witnesses didn't say this is the guy and so they like further tossed his name down the list. So in December... Speaking on people's radar, they were like, no, not this guy. Yeah, it was, like, coming up that it was, like, not that big. Like, it just didn't look like it was this guy because all the evidence wasn't... It looked like just... He matched a description, and that was kind of it. 
Yeah. So in December, Liz calls um, the Salt Lake the Salt Lake County Sheriff Office to repeat her suspicions of Ted, and they added his name to the Damn. list. And they added his name to the list of suspects, but at the time there was no forensic evidence to link him to any of the Utah crimes. So mm-hmm. that's three times that Liz called and said, I think it's Ted Bundy. And the detectives were like, okay. This is what they get for not believing her. Oh, yeah. Honestly. Okay. Three times, yeah. Three times. Okay, so now we're in August 16, 1975. Right so, on. Yeah, okay. so following. Yeah. So, Ted is arrested by a Utah Highway Patrol officer named Bob Hayward, um, who saw him, who saw Bundy's car cruising residential areas at really early hours of the morning. Um, yeah, Bundy decided to flee the area at high speed after seeing the car. Um, Definitely sus. So, and then when he was uh, arrested, they, the officer searched the car after he had noticed that the Volkswagen front passenger seat had been removed and placed on the rear seats. And he would also find a ski mask, a second mask fan- fashioned from pantyhose, a crowbar, handcuffs, trash bags, a coil of rope, an ice pick, and other items usually used as burglary tools. What the fuck? Yeah. This is what is now known as a rake kit. It's everything that they would need to do the job, but it wasn't a thing that they had uh, coined the, ter- the term for at the time. Um, okay, so this, mm-hmm. is, this is what Ted said about all the items in his car, Okay. Okay. He said the ski mask was for skiing. He'd found the handcuffs in a dumpster, and the rest were why just did you take- exactly. Why then? Why did you take them? What? Uh, what? And, and the rest of the items that he had in his possession were just common household items. No. Explain to me why you have a coil of rope. Okay. A crowbar. I mean, the crowbar, I, I mean, maybe it's for your fucking car. I don't know. Okay, but Why do you have trash bags? Me. Why do you have an ice pick? I don't understand. It's August. Why There's no fucking snow. Okay, yeah. They're, like, good on that guy for finding him. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so... The detective, however, didn't listen to any of his bullshit, and Good. he remembered that a similar suspect and car was listed under the Carol Durancha kidnapping attempt from November. Right, yeah. So he remembered that, and he matched Bundy's name with Liz's December phone call. Damn, this guy is, like, doing his job. Yeah, so that's why he got arrested. 
Um, because he was arrested, they were able to search Bundy's apartment because they had probable cause to be interested in him. Yeah. Um, and they found uh, a guide to Colorado ski resorts with a check mark by the Wildwood Inn and a brochure that advertised the Viewmont High School play in Bountiful, uh, which was where... Wait, wait. Yeah. Yeah, Deborah where Kent. Deborah Kent, where she went, her and her parents were at the play when she went missing because she went to go pick up her brother. Was that before he got arrested or after? What? The Deborah Ann killing. It was because before. Because the checkbook with the... It was before? It was okay. before. So they... that means it was a place he'd already hit. Yeah. It was before, and um, he... It was... The brochure he had was probably, like, a souvenir. Because, like, he must yeah, have Yeah, I mean, it, it would fit... A ski mask excuse, but like, sus. I not even sus. Just he did it. Well, they the police are said to have not have had enough evidence to fully detain him. How is that not enough evidence? Because it's just a bunch of tools that make him look suspicious. They can't like charge him with anything because they don't have any, you know, for real proof. So it's just one giant coincidence. Yeah. But he, so he was released to his own reconnaissance. Um, and... I mean, didn't that, like, skyrocket him up to the top of the suspect list? Probably. He was definitely getting watched at this point. Um, but what Bundy says much later after he was, like, probably on death row is that when they searched him and his, you know, like his car and his apartment, they missed a hidden collection of Polaroid pictures of his victims, which he then destroyed, which he destroyed when he was released. What the fuck? I know, I don't, I don't want to know what was the pictures of, and yet I kind of do. Probably just the dead bodies because it seems like he was a necrophiliac. So he's placed on a 24-hour surveillance and detectives um, flew to Seattle to interview Liz. And so mm-hmm, she Because told, they remembered that she was the one who gave his name. Yeah, because it, it was Thompson, which was the detective that she talked to in detail. Mm-hmm. And so she tells them about the year before he moved to Utah where she had discovered objects that she, quote, couldn't understand in her house, um, as well as in Bundy's apartment. So these... That would be awful. Yeah, these included crutches, a bag of plaster that he'd admitted stealing from a medical supply house, a meat cleaver... Oh, shit. ...that was never used for cooking, surgical gloves... An oriental knife in a wooden case that he kept in his glove compartment, and a stack um, of women's clothing. What? Right? Oh, okay. That would definitely raise a lot of red flags. I just don't, like, I don't understand how, like, she had called cops on him three times. 
and was still like, sure, come, come over. Like, I'm sure part of it was that she was trying to like keep herself safe and like worried that if she dropped him, he would like go crazy, which is valid. Or like hurt her daughter and whatever. Yeah. I mean, he knew where she lived and she was just, you know, her and her daughter Yeah, I just can't even imagine how that would have been during that time to be like so convinced that your boyfriend killed people and he just has to sleep next to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's so creepy. Um, Okay, so in September of 75, Bundy sells his Volkswagen to a teenager. The police find it and impound it, um, and the FBI dismantles and searches it. They find hairs matching samples from Karen Campbell's body. They also find hair microscopically indistinguishable from Melissa Smith and Carol DeRanche. Um, The FBI lab specialist Robert Neal concluded that The presence of hair strands in one car matching three different victims who had never met one another would be a coincidence of mind-boggling rarity. Yeah. So we're we're just piling up evidence here. But it's still not enough to convict him, apparently. Well, they needed, yeah, they needed more. So October 2nd, they put him in a lineup, um, and then Carol Durange and two, and a few witnesses from... Deborah Kent's high school all identify Bundy. Okay. Yeah, that's not hard evidence, yeah. Yeah, because there were people from the high school who remembered seeing a guy out there in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Now they had enough to charge him with aggravated kidnapping and attempted criminal assault in the Durange case. Um... But he was freed on a $15,000 bail, which was paid for by his parents. Of course it was. Of course it was. Well, I really think, like, for so long, people thought he was being framed. I don't know how the fuck they thought that, but... Yeah. I feel like people framing other people is so rare... Look, and we saw, we saw, like, how, how he was trying to spin that web of, like, if everyone was, like, getting away with this and he was going to go down for someone else's crimes. And I'm just, like, I really, really feel like if you believed that, you had to have been stupid. Well, and, like, if he was being framed, why did he say all that bullshit about the stuff in his car? And it's just, like, at what point... Does it become too coincidental? Yeah. You know, and you have to just start saying, well, then stop this shit, Ted. Why do you have all this crap in your car? Why is this crap in my house? Exactly, yeah. why, Why is it always your name that gets brought up? Because at that point, I feel like I can't, if it was me, I'd be like, I can't be around you because it might be true. I'd rather you be yeah. mad at me when you're later innocent and we could try to figure it out than be, like, you know, trusting and then I'm dead. Yeah, I'm risk getting murdered. Yep. It's just, I don't understand. Anyway, 
<laughs> so February 1976 is Bundy's trial for the Durange kidnapping. Um, on the advice of his attorney, Bundy waived his right to a jury because he was worried about all the negative publicity that had become surrounding the case. Yeah. So after a four-day bench trial and a weekend of deliberation, the judge found him guilty of kidnapping and assault, which is great. Yeah, except for it didn't last. So yeah, in June, I mean, he was in, he was in prison for a bit. Yeah, and then, you know, all the killings mysteriously stopped. Mysteriously. Yeah, because in June, he was sentenced to one to 15 years. One to 15 years. I don't understand how you can have that big of a range. Maybe he'll be out in one year. Maybe he'll be out in 15. I don't know. Maybe 11. It doesn't make sense to me. Well, you think for kidnapping and attempted murder, he'd get more than that. Well, all they had was kidnapping and assault. Because I don't think, like, it was enough for him to be a person of interest in Deborah Kent's disappearance. But they didn't mm-hmm. have anything to prove him. So all he could get charged for was Carol. Carol Durant's attempt at kidnapping. he's a man, he's only going to get, like, that one year. Which is, like, then I don't... Like, he's stupid for not just, like, sitting there and dealing with it. Yeah. Okay, well, he was there for a bit. Because um, he got sentenced in June. And then in October, he was found hiding in the bushes of the prison yard carrying an escape kit, which had roadmaps, airline schedules, and a social security card. How the fuck did he get a social security card? No idea. Maybe his parents. Of course. Maybe from maybe from Carol Boone, because she visited him a bunch while he was over here. She was simping for him. Yep. Um, so because of this, he spent several weeks in solitary confinement. Later that As month, he should. yeah. Later that month, I hope he went mad. Um, so okay, later that month, Colorado authorities also charged him for Karen Campbell's murder. Um, and after he resisted for a while, he waived extradition proceedings and that's why they transferred him to Aspen in January 1977 wouldn't that have increased his sentence to get um shit for that murder too well he can't he can't um resist like if someone has stuff to charge him with it he can't be like no but he could have <laughs> no you just go up to the stand and say no hard pass I'm already in jail. This is good, right? Right, no thanks. But I think um, I think he hoped that going to Aspen cooperatively might have given him some better, I don't know, image. Leverage. Like better yeah. image or something for them. So he agreed to go. Reputation, whatever. Wh- whatever. But so he was transported to Aspen for a preliminary hearing and this is when he first elects to serve as his own attorney. 
because that is something he did. Yeah, so the judge allowed this, and because he was serving as his own attorney, he also said he did not have to wear handcuffs or leg shackles while in the courthouse. I know. I'm like, you're so stupid. Okay. So yeah, during a recess from the court, he asked to go to the law library in the courthouse to research his case. While he was in there, a guard was distracted and he was able to shield from the guard's view behind a bookcase and he then opened a window and jumped to the ground from the second story. Injuring his yep. right ankle as he landed. Because it's from a second story. You know, he did so much practicing and he just still fucked it up. From jumping from his bed or whatever, right? Yeah, like he was trying to build up endurance and like, I'm like, okay, but you're not doing the impact of, you know, two stories of yeah. air and your body weight. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so he did shed an outer layer of clothing, and he actually walked through Aspen as the roadblocks were being set up, and then he hiked south. The balls on this guy. I just, I honestly, what the fuck? Did he really just, like, wear a fake mustache, and everyone was like, oh my god, who is this? I guess. You know, like, when Now he, we know that it would really work the Clark Kent yeah, the whole, I'm just going to throw on some sun, some glasses and nobody knows who the fuck I am. Yeah, for real though. Honestly. So then he hiked south into Aspen Mountain. Um, and near, his, near the summit, he broke um, into a hunting cabin. And he stole food, clothing, and a rifle. Because that's great. great. Yeah. Uh, the following day, he left the cabin and continued south um, towards the town of Crested Butte. Um, but then he got lost. Yep. For two days, he wandered lost on the mountain, missing two trails that led downward, um, which was where he wanted to go. Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't feel bad for I, this do. I don't I'm so I hope you were scared and upset and disgruntled and mm-hmm. frustrated I hope you kicked the ground that would have been yeah. great <laughs> screamed into the sky it's so frustrating <laughs> that all I can imagine is like Zac Efron doing this but I know it is what it is <laughs> A whole, a whole, um, bed on it sequence, but Ted Bundy. No! No! Okay, I'll get back into it. June 10th, he broke into a camping trailer on Maroon Lake, which was 10 miles south of Aspen. So he walked for 10 miles. On his broken ankle, not broken, but like sprained, mm -hmm. whatever it was. It was, uh, sprained. Yeah. He just, it said he injured it. So who knows? Um, okay, so he took food and a ski parka, but instead of continuing south, he decided to walk back towards Aspen. Why? No idea. But... Dumbass is trying to get himself caught. Doesn't matter. He also didn't get stopped by roadblocks or search parties the entire time. Um. This motherfucker. Yeah. 
three days later, he stole a car at the edge of an Aspen golf course. Um, and this is why he got caught. He was cold, sleep deprived, and in constant pain from his sprained ankle when he drove the car. <laughs> so police noticed that his car was weaving and they pulled him over. Oh my God. Okay. So he'd been a fugitive for six days, and the only reason they fucking found him is because he was cold and tired and swerving. Well, they caught him, I guess. That's not in their books. That's on a Bundy bad. <laughs> yeah. He seems so smart sometimes when he does this, and then he fucks up really badly and you're like how would you you're smarter than this yeah it's like jack sparrow yeah <laughs> it's the best for jack sparrow i've ever seen better. so it would seem <laughs> all right so we're back in jail okay okay we're back in jail everyone is telling him to stay put they're like <laughs> just fucking sit here um, because the case that they had against him was not good. Um, yeah. Because stuff was getting thrown out as evidence because it was inadmissible. Um, and so what they had to use against him was just rapidly dissolving. Mm-hmm. So um, it says a more rational defendant. This is a quote. A more rational defendant might have realized that he stood a good chance of an acquittal and that beating the murder charge in Colorado would have probably had dissuaded the prosecutors. Um, With as little as a year and a half to serve on his previous conviction, had he persevered, he could have been a free man. Yeah, but now it's Ted Bundy. He has to go and screw it up. Yeah. Uh, instead, he decided a new escape plan. <sighs> I don't I don't know how the fuck he did this, but he acquired a detailed floor plan of the jail. What? And he also got a hacksaw blade from another inmate. Um, I have so many questions that I won't ever get answers to. I, I know. I'm like, how the fuck does one get a floor plan of a jail in prison? Well, you're an inmate. Yeah. Um, And he also accumulated $500 in cash, which he smuggled in over the six months period that he was in this jail. How did he do that? Um, It was through visitors giving him money, but namely from Carol Boone. Uh. Yes. You know, his girl. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, during the evenings while prisoners were showering, he would saw a hole um, between the steel reinforced bars in his ceiling. Um, and he also went through a bout of fasting during this time. To make himself small enough to fit through the hole? Yeah, he lost 35 pounds, so he'd be able to wriggle into the crawl space above the cells. I can't. Oh, my God. I don't, like, can you see an inmate, like, starving themselves and, like, step in? 
I don't know. Because I really feel like you can't, like, let someone die in jail. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know what that whole process... Because he lost 35 pounds in a, like, short amount of time. Yeah, you would notice that, for sure. Yeah. Um, Hey, anyone out there, listeners, if you have an answer to that, uh, let us know. Yeah, if you guys have any other information about this, I will always listen. There's stuff I did not include in this because I didn't want it to be forever long. And I could talk about Ted Bundy all the time. Yep, and we do. We do, okay. So in the weeks that followed, he made a bunch of practice runs to get familiar with the space. Um, And there was multiple reports of movement in the ceiling during the night that never got investigated. Um, that would be suspicious. Um, okay, so then, yeah, by late 1977, Bundy's trial had become, like, a huge draw of attention in the small town of Aspen, and Bundy tried to get the venue moved to Denver because of it. Um, but instead of moving it to Denver, the judge granted the request to Colorado Springs. Um, hey, Colorado Springs is nice. I've been there. Bundy did not like this decision because Colorado Springs had historically been hostile to murder suspects. Oh, so he wanted somewhere that would let him off easy. Yeah. Um, so this is what really, like, solidified this is the time to go because I'm about to get fucked over by Colorado Springs. So, the night of December 30th, um, the most of the jail staff was on Christmas break and nonviolent prisoners had been on, had been furloughed to go spend the holidays with their family. So, Bundy piled books and files onto his bed to make a fake body and he climbed into the the crawl space, um, where he then broke through the ceiling into the apartment of the chief janitor, or chief jailer, oh, what am I okay. saying? Yeah, he broke into the apartment of the chief jailer, who was out for oh. the evening with his wife. And then, okay. and then Ted changed into street clothes from the jailer's closet and just walked out the front door. What the fuck? What? What? Yeah, it's not even, like, a Shawshank Redemption crap where he had to, like, crawl through the sewer to get out. He just walked out the fucking door. How was he always able to do that? Because he's a white man, probably. Like, that's probably where a lot of this goes to. He was just some white man and nobody looked at him. Yes, just a generic white dude. Yeah. Um, so okay. He, he then, well, yeah, he then stole, definitely makes him look guilty. Well, just let me keep talking. Okay? He okay. then stole a car, drove east to Glenwood Springs. This, then the car broke down on the mountains uh, off Interstate seventy. He hitchhiked, and they and they gave him a ride to Vale, which was sixty miles east of where that was. And then he caught a bus to Denver, where he then got on a flight to Chicago, 
Oh my god. From from Colorado all the way to Chicago in a matter of hours. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little impressed. Yeah, they didn't realize that he was gone until noon the next day, which was 17 hours later, and he was already in Chicago. Shit, man. Yeah. I don't... They, they had no chance of finding him at that point. That's why he he just disappeared. This is what happened. Like, he never... Like, he got convicted, but, like, he served less than... He maybe was there for maybe a year. He could have gotten yeah. out. And been, like, fine. Um, okay, so from Chicago, he goes to Michigan, steals another car, goes to Atlanta... Ditches the car, gets on a bus, goes to Tallahassee, Florida. Which is where the sorority murders happened? Yes. But I believe this is now, so this is now 78. Dude, he didn't make it that fucking long. I didn't even what? realize, like, okay, because he's in jail, right? Right now, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, he's in jail... At the end, you know, he breaks out December 30th, 1978. The Florida sorority murders happened January 15th, 1978. He made it like two weeks. I always thought it was so much longer. So it took him two weeks to get from Colorado to Tallahassee and then he just murdered a bunch of people. I don't think so. I think it probably took him maybe three days. To get to Florida, and then he lasted, like, two weeks, and that was it. Shit. Um, Because I have here that he, he tried and intended to go straight. He thought he would just live under the radar and not make a big deal, um, but he only had one job prospect which was a construction site and then he had to abandon that when they asked him to provide an identification of himself so he had like no other way to get money besides stealing from people yeah um okay so now we're at february 12th he had insufficient cash to pay his overdue rent and he was paranoid that police were closing in on him so he stole a car and fled Tallahassee, driving west across Florida to Pensacola. That's probably what fucked him up right there, was that he got panicky and screwed up. Yeah, so three days later, around 1 a.m., he was stopped by Pensacola officer um, David Lee near the Alabama state line. Um, Gross. After a wants and warrant check showed his beetle was stolen. It's because he stole the car. Yeah. So when he was under arrest, this is also after he had killed the girls at the sorority. Like after that, he was like fleeing Florida. Shit. Okay. So um, when the officer told him he was under arrest, Bundy kicked his legs out from under him and took off. Um, okay. 
I mean, I don't think you're going to make it very far on foot. Now, Lee fired a warning shot, followed by a second round, and then chased after him and tackled him. Um, the two struggled for the gun, um, but then Lee subdued and arrested Bundy. The stolen vehicle had inside of it were three sets of IDs belonging to Florida State University students who were female, 21 stolen credit cards, and a stolen television set. Shit. They also found a pair of dark-rimmed non-prescription glasses, a pair of plaid slacks, and later identified as a disguise worn by Richard Burton Fire Department in Jacksonville. Okay. Um, as Lee okay. transported him to jail, he had no idea who the fuck was in the back of his car. No, yeah, he, right. he Ted, Ted didn't tell him who he was. He just knew that the car was stolen. So he didn't even know that this was the person that had killed the girls at the, at the college. It was just someone who had a stolen car. Yeah. Um, the officer heard Ted Bundy say, I wish you had killed me. And it wouldn't be until two days later that Bundy tells them who he is so that he can use the phone call. To get to Liz, yeah? I think so. So that is how Ted was caught. That's so fucked. He he fucked himself. Like, that's, that's the entire thing. Like... Yeah, no, he absolutely did it to himself. Okay, so now we're going into the Florida trial. Yeah. Okay. June 1979, he's there for only the sorority murders. That's it. The the murders and the assaults. Um, the trial... Did they connect him to the other ones? I don't think they had that yet. Like, and this is only Florida. This is, like, back then when, like, they could only charge for ones in their state. I think that's still a thing. Like, that's why, like, uh, after he okay. gets tried for this, that he ends up getting tried for a lot of other ones because he's already in jail. Um. So, yeah. So, for for the Florida, he's only on trial for the sorority altercation. Yeah. Um, so the trial was covered by 250 reporters from five different continent, continents and was the first trial to be televised nationally in the United States. Yeah, that would be intense for a lot of people. I, I mean, I would have watched it fully, fully admitting I would have sat there for however long it took to watch this. Oh, I bet. Me too. I'd be um, right there with you. So yeah, Ted had five court-appointed attorneys, but um, Bundy again handled much of his own defense. Um, yeah, they not state, surprised. They state from the beginning that he sabotaged the entire defense effort out of spite, distrust, and grandiose delusion. Um. His main lawyer just said, like, he just wanted to be in charge. That was, like, all he cared about. Not the charge. He was a showboat. Yeah, he just wanted to run the show. 
Um, okay, so according to Mike Minerva, who was a Tallahassee public defender, and he was on the team, there was a pre-trial plea bargain that was negotiated um, on behalf of Bundy. So all he had to do was plead guilty to killing the two girls, as well as Leech, which was the 12-year-old girl from later, and he would get a firm 75-year prison sentence. Okay, definitely never getting out of that. Well, it didn't include death. It was just life in prison, basically. For the Florida girls. Yeah, for the Florida murders. So if he pleaded guilty to killing the two sorority girls and the 12-year-old, he would get just life in prison, no trial. It would have been fine. But then they brought in all of his other cases. No, this is what the deal was. Like, everyone, like, prosecutors, defense attorneys, all of them were like, this is fine. Um, And at the time, prosecutors said that they were worried that they might actually lose this trial if they had to go to one. Mm -hmm. So they were really like, yeah, just, just admit to doing it and it'll be, it'll be fine. You'll just live forever in jail and you can just do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, however, Bundy saw the plea deal not only as a means of avoiding the death penalty, but he thought he could use it as a tactical move. He could Which enter, backfired on him. Yeah, he, he could enter this plea, wait a few years um, for everyone to forget about what the fuck happened where witnesses would die or move on or like change their story. Um, and he was like ready to wait until the case had deteriorated beyond compare. And he would file a motion to set aside the plea and go to trial. Like that was his plan. I mean, smart, I guess. Um, but at the last minute, Bundy refused the deal. Why? This is what his lawyer thinks it was. It made him realize he was going to have to stand up in front of the whole world and say he was guilty. And he just couldn't do that. Yeah. Because his lawyer seems like a reasonable motherfucker. Because Ted yeah. Bundy's all about his image. He doesn't want to be like, I was a bad person. Pride goeth before the fall. <sighs> yes. So they went to trial. Which it fucked him over. Yeah. So crucial testimony came from the Chi Omega sorority members, Connie Hastings, who placed Ted Bundy near the house the evening of the murders. And Nita Neary, who saw him leaving the sorority house, clutching the oak that he had used to kill people with. Yeah. The oak log. Then they also had incriminating physical evidence, including impressions of the bite wound that Bundy had used on Lisa With his teeth. Yeah, and so then they made castings of his teeth and matched them to the bite mark. So when they produced all of this information to the jury the jury only needed less than seven hours to convict him (laughs) oh shit like it doesn't help that 
He was batshit crazy. I mean, I'm kind of surprised it took him that long, to be honest. I just think there was a lot to go over, probably. Yeah. Um, and people like to talk. I don't know. People do like to talk. I would have walked in and there and been like, he did it. Done. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. Meeting adjourned. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, they convicted him of, on July 24th, 1979, of the Bowman and Levy murders, three counts of attempted first-degree murder for the assaults on Kleiner, Chandler, and Thomas, and then two counts of burglary. So then it was the judge who imposed the death sentences for the murder convictions. Yeah. Yeah, so then six months later, he had to go to a, the trial for Kimberly Leach because he didn't take the plea bargain. Yep. So then they found him guilty again after eight hours of deliberation because they had eyewitnesses who saw him lead her from the schoolyard to his stolen van. Oh, that's so creepy. There was also evidence including clothing fibers um, that matched that were found in the van and on Kimberly's body that matched the jacket Bundy was wearing when he was arrested. Oh, that poor girl. Yeah. Um, so it was during Kimberly Leach's trial that he actually did the whole asking Carol to marry him. Oh, yeah, it yeah. Wasn't, it wasn't the Florida one. It was during the... Kimberly one. Yeah. So yeah, he, he like fully gets, like he has her on the witness stand. He's questioning her. And all of a sudden he asks her to marry him. And then because they're in a court in front of a judge, it stands. That's bullshit. And I don't really even know why he chose to do that. She was like already on the stand and she was there as a character witness for him, as she had been in in the other trial. So, like, it's not like she was going to talk against him. So yeah. why, why do this big show of marrying her on TV, in the court, in front of the world? Because he's paranoid and he wants to get other women on his side to show that he's an actual person or whatever. I, I don't, maybe because there were, you know, all those girls that came and sat behind him and like flirted with him while he was doing this whole thing. And maybe he wanted to yeah. sell romance to them. Yep. No fucking clue. Tell me what y'all think. I just think <laughs> yeah, I would have rolled my eyes into my brain and died. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't do that. Uh, okay, yeah. So then February 10th, 1980, Bundy is sentenced to, a th for a third time, to death by electrocution. For a third time? Jesus. Because he was sentenced to death for the first girls and then for Kimberly. I don't entirely know what this third one was, but good on it. Um, but as they read the sentence to him, he reportedly shot out of his chair and shouted, tell the jury they were wrong. Okay. 
Dramatic bitch. Sit down, sir. Uh, October 1981 is when Carol Boone gives birth to her daughter and named Bundy the father. Yep, love that. So now, now I have to go into... So when he's on death row is when he starts confessing. Mm-hmm. To shit. Um, so he he recounted that he started out as a thief, which confirmed Liz's suspicion that he'd always been shoplifting and stealing stuff from people. Um, and he said that his big payoff the whole time was possessing whatever it was that he'd stolen. And he just really enjoyed having something that he'd gone out and taken. Um, That's so weird. Possession is, like, the key thing for him, and that's what moved him into rape and also murder, because sexual Mm -hmm. assault fulfilled his need to totally possess his victims. That's not creepy or awful at all. It says that at first he killed his victims as a matter of expediency to eliminate the possibility of being caught, but later murder would become an adventure. Ultimate possession what? was, in fact, the t- the taking of the life, and then the physical possession of the remains. I hate that. He confided in Special Agent William Hagmeyer of the behavioral um, FBI behavioral analysis unit that he said that. After a while, murder is not just a crime of lust or violence. It becomes possession. They are part of you, and the victim becomes a part of you. What and you, too, hell? are forever one. And the grounds where you kill them or leave them become sacred to you, and you will always be drawn back to them. Okay, I hate that. I hate it, too. Um, He also told Hagmeyer that he considered himself to be an amateur and impulsive killer in his early years, but before moving into what he termed prime or predator phase right before Healy's murder, which goes to show that he was killing before, before we knew it. I don't, I don't, no, no thanks. Um, July 1984... Um, Rayford guards found two hacksaw blades Bundy had hidden in his cell. Um, one of the steel bars of his cell windows had been sawed completely through at the top and the bottom and had been glued back into place with homemade soap. What? He was trying to escape again. Several months later, guards found an unauthorized mirror hidden in the cell. And so they moved him into a different cell again. Okay. Um, Now he finally confessed to Hagmeyer and Nelson what they believed was the full range of his depredations, which included details of what he did to some of his victims. Um, He talked about how he revisited Taylor Mountain and Issaquah as well as other secondary crime scenes several times to lie with his victims and perform sexual acts with their decomposing bodies until putrefaction forced him to stop. Oh, your face. 
Let me take a screenshot of your face. So I'll post it. No, wait. Fuck. I got it. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. That would be our here we are <laughs> image. <laughs> it's me going, how do I take a screenshot? And you going... <laughs> He's having sex with them. Okay, okay. I see, I knew that. I don't even know how far it got. Oh, it's gonna get worse because this he's fucking gross. Okay, so yeah, their putrefaction forced him to stop, meaning their bodies had swelled with gas from their rotting corpses so much <laughs> that he couldn't physically touch them anymore. That's why he stopped. Because the body said no. Okay. Okay. um, In some cases, he drove for several hours each way and remained the entire night. In Utah, he applied makeup to Melissa Smith's lifeless face. And he repeatedly washed Laura Amy's hair. He That's said, so creepy. He said, if you've got time, they can be anything you want them to be. No. <laughs> um, he has apparently decapitated approximately 12 of his victims with a hacksaw, and he kept at least one group of several heads, meaning probably four, that were found on Taylor Mountain. In his apartment for a period of time before disposing of them. Just that, like, okay, not, ugh. They're decomposing heads because it wouldn't have even been the skulls at that point. Yeah, no. He pulled, like, a full-on Jeffrey Dahmer and just didn't eat them. No, that wasn't his thing. No, he just wanted to fuck them. Ugh. Yeah, it makes me wonder if he was, like, Ed Kemp and, like, fucked their heads. Because, like, didn't he, didn't he do that? Oh, God. Because he kept the heads. So it makes me wonder. Yeah. Um, so, of course, Ted tried every means of appeal and, you know, a stay of execution Okay. Um, But he had used up pretty much everything he had in his arsenal. Yeah. Um, And he had no, so he had no more motivation to deny his, his crimes. And he agreed to speak frankly with investigators. This is when we get the Ted Bundy tapes. Okay. So this is when that was all going on. So he confessed to um, Keppel that he committed all eight of the Washington and Oregon homicides. Um, He also described three previously unknown victims in Washington and two more in Oregon, but then he didn't identify anybody. That's helpful. He said that he left a fifth corpse, which was Donna Manson, on Taylor Taylor Mountain, but incinerated her head in Liz's fireplace. 
Oh, poor Lane. That's the one that was. Of an fireplace. And this is what he said about that. Of all the things I did to Liz, this is probably the one she is least likely to forgive me for. Poor Liz. The fireplace? The head, like, yeah, he roasted a head in her fireplace and then kept the skull. Remember I told you he kept the skull in their house for a while? And we were trying to figure out if he put it in the stove or what? Yeah. He put it in the fireplace. Um, so he described the Issaquah crime scene, um, and all reporters, the detectives were like, it was like he was transported back there. He could see everything as if he was standing on the ground. He was infatuated with the idea, idea because he spent so much time there. He's just totally consumed with murder all the time. Um, that was from Keppel. Nelson also said, it was the absolute misogyny of his crimes that stunned me. The, he, his manifest rage against women, he had no compassion at all. He was totally engrossed in the details. His murders were his life's accomplishments. Fuck. I just, He's wrong with just this fuck man. off. Just fuck off. Fuck all the way off. Right? I'm, right? Like, go back to sleep and starve. Like, I just can't. <laughs> go back to sleep and starve. Um, so, yeah, Bundy then confessed to detectives from Idaho, Utah, and Colorado that he committed numerous additional homicides, including several that were unknown to the police. Um, he explained when he was in Utah, he could bring his victims back to his apartment where he could reenact scenarios depicted on the covers of detective magazines. Okay, continue. Um, a new strategy quickly became apparent. He withheld many details, which he was hoping would extend another time his execution because they would want more details and the longer he could you know withhold details maybe he could live longer yeah um so he would start giving people incomplete information he would say there are others buried in colorado um and but authorities saw behind his his plan and they were adamant about keeping him on his schedule um in cases where he did give details nothing was found yeah so they were like this is just a little bullshit yeah and they said his divulging of information and his need to remain in total possession the only person who knew the victim's true resting places would be him Um, so when it became clear that he wasn't going to get any more time, Bundy supporters began lobbying, um, to keep the, to began lobbying for the only option left, which was executive, executive clemency. So, um, one of Bundy's ex-girlfriends, who was a young attorney in Florida now, asked, went to the victim's families of people of victims from Colorado and Utah to petition Florida and she told them to go to the Florida governor for a postponement 
to give Bundy time to reveal more information. Like, who, who the fuck are you? <laughs> yeah, so fuck, fuck off, too, that you would dare go to these poor victims' families. You're having so much fun making faces in FaceTime. Oh, yeah. I have to report the information. <laughs> <laughs> like, leave these victims' families alone. Yeah, they do not need any more of this shit. Yeah, so all of them refused, and they said that they already believed that their family members were dead. Or not that. They knew they were dead, and they fully believed that Ted was the one who had killed them. So they didn't need him to yeah. confess. Because um, they already knew. Yeah. So then Carol Boone comes and champions for Bundy's innocence throughout all of his trials. Um... The whole time she was saying, he's being framed, he's innocent. But then when it came out that he was confessing to everything, she felt deeply betrayed by his admission that he was guilty. She moved back to Washington with her daughter and stopped answering his phone calls. Um, namely, the phone call he made the morning of his execution. And this is... Wait, wait, hang on. She felt betrayed that he started confessing? Like, because he was now guilt, like, he admitted he was guilty. So, like, she was upset that the whole time she'd been saying he was innocent when he was, in fact, guilty. Oh, okay. Which, like, I guess. But then it also says that she was hurt by his relationship with Diana Weiner, which, in, with, which is um, what a detective wrote and was devastated by the sudden wholesale confessions in his last days. So, because, like, what I'm getting is that she was somehow blindsided that he was, in fact, a monster, and also that he'd been cheating on her. Oh, yeah. And it's like, that's girl... That's the fact that he murdered a ton of people. Girl, that's not what we should be upset about. Okay, so Hagmeyer um, was present during Bundy's last and final interviews, um, and the last one was on the eve of his execution, where he ended up talking about his idea of committing suicide. Um, Hagmeyer said that he didn't want to give the state the satisfaction of watching him die. Of course, that didn't fucking happen. Yeah. So, on his last night alive, Ted called his mom twice. Um, and he apparently did confess to his mom that he killed at least 30 women across all the states. And, you and what know, did his mom say to that? You want to know what she said? You'll always be my precious son. What? I cannot fathom I mean, oh I don't. My God. I mean, I don't know what you say to your child when they tell you you've killed. They've killed 30, 30 women. But it's not that. And like I, especially on like the night before he dies, like I think there should be something about like. I mean, you're a mom. I'm not gonna say like you will love them, but you can't like condone this. And like this is your precious son. You have more children. Yeah. What? Okay. I don't... 
I could understand, understand if she had said, thank you for telling me. I'm very sorry that this is your fate. Like, that's something I would have been like, okay, makes sense for a mom to say. Mm-hmm. But you're my, you will always be my precious son. I don't, I don't get it. No, thanks. Um, so also, but everyone knew that this was the day he was going to die. And hundreds of people had set up camp outside the prison to drink beer, chant, like, like, like Bundy must burn, something like that. There was a lot of chants. Shit. And they were also banging pans together. Um, and that's what he had to hear when it was his last meal. That sucks. I mean, I know he's evil, but, like, that sucks. Yeah, so, you know, prisoners are supposed to get to pick their last meal, but Bundy seemed unenthusiastic about that, and so he didn't, he refused to pick something. So they just gave him the standard choice, which was steak, eggs, hash browns, and toast. Um, But he was apparently really anxious and nervous, and so he didn't really even eat any of his food, and so he died hungry. That also sucks, but that's his own deal. Your dead was a matter. <laughs> exactly. Um, so he was executed January 24th, 1989, um, and people were waiting outside cheering and chanting until they were informed that he was in fact dead. Mm-hmm. Um, the day before or in the day of the Florida State University Chi Phi fraternity, which is probably the brother fraternity of the sorority, um, celebrated Ted's executions with a large banner that said, watch Ted fry, see Ted die. As they prepared prepared for an evening cookout where they would serve Bundy burgers and electrified hot dogs. <laughs> like that's Florida for you. That's such a dark sense of humor. Oh my god. I don't know that I, I don't okay, one, I don't really eat hot dogs. And I I mean I the burgers sound fine, but like I don't think I could eat a burger that was named after the death of somebody. Like, I'd be biting into it just thinking of, like, a dead body being fried. And I'd be like, <laughs> I probably, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone. But that's just It's me. Florida. I would have maybe watched on TV and then been like, okay, the monster's gone. But, like, I don't think, I don't know if I could have celebrated his death. He's, like, a really weird person. Because, like, he's one that I think had to die because he's escaped so many times. So, like, prison isn't going to keep him. But, like, it's, like, such a... One of those, like, weird things where you're, like, glad he's dead but not happy that you're happy. Yeah. Okay, well, let me just get into the finishing and then we can discuss. Okay. Um, 42 witnesses came to watch him die. That's a lot. Like, in the gallery. Um, Tom Barton asked 
Bundy his last words. Um, and apparently Ted hesitated and his voice shook. And all he said was, I'd like to give my love to my family and friends. That's it. Generic. Sweet, but generic. Stupid. No. I, what, your mom, like, your mom's the only thing you have left. Carol's gone. Liz is gone. I don't know what friends you've got left. You've got your mom, your dad that you never liked. I don't know. So yeah, that was his last words. And with that, they placed the fixed strap that was pulled across Bundy's mouth and chin. And they fastened his metal skull cap. And then they dropped the black veil in front of his face so people wouldn't see him. And then they gave the, the signal... And the executioner pushed the button. 2,000 volts surged through the wires. Um, A tiny puff of smoke lifted from his right leg as his body tensed. And a minute later, they turned the machine off. A paramedic opened the blue shirt to listen for a heartbeat that wasn't there. And a second doctor looked into his eyes. He was declared dead at 7.16 in the morning. January... 24th, 1989. Holy shit. Um, after he died, they removed his brain to study it. Um, they were looking for any evidence of brain injury that could have led to this whole shit. But they never found anything that would give understandable reason for why he did what he did. Um, so That's just how he was, Yeah, I guess. over time, they'd classified him as... Um, quote, the invisible psychopath, and he had been labeled with antisocial personality disorder as well as narcissistic personality disorder. They also stated that... Not surprising. They also stated that were it not for his own mistakes and some lucky breaks for the police officers, he could still be out in the world Like, he could have lived longer in... He absolutely would have been. And could have been killing more people that we'd never have known, and he would have just... Because he had another persona. So, like, people would have never known had he not fucked up. And he'd probably still be alive today. Mm -hmm, Probably. It needs to be said that despite his confections um, for the murders, he never took responsibility for them. Like, do not feel bad for this person. I know I just told you about his death and an execution, and that can make people feel some type of way, but this person's a monster. He is evil. He never took responsibility for his actions. Instead, he used a variety of scapegoats, which included his abusive grandfather, um, the absence of his biological father, which... So I think it was his grandfather and he just sucked. Whatever. Um, Most the, likely. The concealment of his true parentage, alcohol, the media, the pos- the police, which he accused of planting evidence, society in general, violence on television, <laughs> and ultimately true crime periodicals and pornography. Yeah, he blamed television programming, which he watched mostly on sets that he'd stolen, for brainwashing him into stealing credit cards. On at least one occasion, he blamed the victims, 
and said, quote, I have known people who radiate vulnerability. <laughs> Fuck off. Um, he wrote a letter to Liz in 1977 saying, their facial expressions say, I'm afraid of you. These people invite abuse. By expecting to be hurt, they encourage it. No! Yeah. Uh, so yeah, fuck all of that. Um, his last wishes were for him to be cremated. All the way up. His last wishes were for him to be cremated and scattered on the Cascade Mountains, also known as Taylor Mountain, which was the same mountain he had dumped at least five victims in Washington. Fuck off, Ted Bundy. What the fuck is wrong with this man? Like, and it's so annoying that they have to, like, fulfill his wishes because it's his will. When that's like, you're literally subjecting his victims to the same burial site as their murderer. Yeah, I feel so bad for all of their families. Like, that's just fucked up. I have have nothing else to say. It's fucked up. Yeah, I can't even begin to unpack all that. So that's Ted Bundy. Big whopper of a case. Yeah, he he needed the three parts. Uh, I'm surprised I didn't take more, but oh well. I could. I, I could, could do have been like a whole month worth. Of oh yeah, episodes. I could do more. I just don't want to anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a very intense case. Yeah, yeah. He's he. There's a reason he's like a big bad guy yep and there's definitely more people we don't even know about oh yeah and there's probably people we'll never know about it's been too long yeah well anything else to say Ted Bundy can fuck right off yeah I, I hope I hope he's getting uh Stung by bees every second in hell. Um, let's see what else. And I, I hope, he can't eat or drink anything. I, I hope and that he is um, the devil's stepping stones over hot, fiery coals. Um, yes. Let's see. I hope that um, the devils use him as dart practice. Um, Maybe a toilet plunger. Hmm. Yeah, I hope that he has to clean out all the shittiest toilets. Um, I hope he gets Madison Montgomery's hell for some time, where he just has to live oh, yeah. in perpetual customer service. <laughs> like a Walmart or something? Yeah, so many things I wish upon you, Ted, and none of them are good. Nope. Oh, <laughs> that one's great. So yeah. much fun. Yeah, thanks for coming on this journey with us, guys. <laughs> yeah, I hope you made it this long. I know that's all right too. I know they're long, but this 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 is a big guy right here. It's a big guy. Yeah, and so yeah, we'll 
We're going to make things lighter next month with Christmas coming, so you'll get hey. to see that lineup soon. Um, if you guys have any suggestions for us, you can always just email them to us at nopeimscaredpodcast at gmail.com. We're always looking for them. Um, yeah, if you've got any or, listener stories, just or funny. Like, I remember there was one time I heard someone talk about their mom had run into Ted Bundy on a chance, and, like, it was just a weird coincidence. Like, anything spooky or crimey related, we would like to hear it. So go ahead. Yeah, pretty much anything. You can also find us on Instagram at nope underscore I'm underscore scared. Follow us, like our posts, DM us with anything you want us to know. Yeah. Um, that's it. Oh, if you have Apple Podcasts, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, leave a review. We'll be happy yeah, to see him. You know, whatever. You do Rate, whatever. review, comments. Who knows? Leave a Who joke, knows? maybe. That'd be fun. I'd appreciate that. Um, and so would Josh. Yeah, Josh would appreciate it. He left a review for us, and it makes no sense to me. I'm like, your wording is weird. He's like, you're also a writer, so yeah. It's you'll if you guys go look, you'll see it. It's it's interesting. It's like, it's like two spoopies out of four me's, something like that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> All right. Uh huh. Well, All right. well, ghosts and ghoulies, this is it. This is it. All right, say bye.